we're kind of starting a new message series. Who know? We'll see where we end up with it. But my challenge to you guys today is this: just hang with me. Hang with me today. Raise your hand if you'll say, "I'll try." Say, I'll try, right? I know after just a super exciting morning like that, it can be easy just to kind of sit in your chair and just kind of drift off, and then I'm just looking at a bunch of eyelids out there. But if you just promise to try to stay with me, this is going to fit perfectly for what this, God had this ordained. And I really think there's going to be some keys in there. And we already uh, just got to some God stuff this morning, and we've already heard great testimonies of what God is doing. So let's talk about... Let's talk about Christianity. Let's talk about how I get to heaven. Let's talk about what happens. So I'm walking through life just kind of normal, just doing my thing, right? I might be kind of a good person. I might be just a total turkey. I might be just evil incarnate, right? You know, and just doing evil things, like kind of based by the world system. And so somewhere along the line, and if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've experienced this. This has happened to you, and the story looks different for everybody. But what happens is somewhere along the line, you become convinced that you're in need of a Savior and that you're a sinner and your sin needs to be dealt with. Now, you might feel like you're a really good sinner or you're a really good sinner (laughs) either way, but somewhere along the line, you become convicted and convinced that this needs to get dealt with. And so then Jesus comes along, and he just doesn't come along to make you a better person. Jesus didn't show up in your life to make you a better person, to make you a better farmer or a better husband or a better wife or a better mom or a better daughter. Jesus came into your life to kill you and to rebirth you. Yes, that's biblical language. We're like, what did he say? (laughs) The old man is dead. The new has come, right? Now, just, okay, you're back with me? He's not really coming to kill you, not like in that sense. But he's coming to give you new life. So when we encounter Christ... Somewhere along the line, whether it's a pastor that leads you in a prayer, whether it's many, many, many of you, or, or like a lot of the Muslims in the Muslims world right now, they're having dreams and visions of the man in white, and Jesus comes and explains who he is. Like, I don't know how you found Christ, but if you have found, if you are by biblical definition a Christian, somewhere along the line you've done something like this. Jesus, I thought I was pretty good, but I realize I'm probably pretty not good. And I need you to forgive my sins. Wash me clean. Make me new. I I repent of, of being a sinner, and I want to follow you. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I believe you died on the cross. You were buried, and you rose again. Come into my life. Take this mess and make it good. In Jesus' name, right? Like some kind of, however the prayer looks, that's the sentiment. That's what we're doing. We're believing that Jesus is Lord, and we're accepting that lordship in our life. Pastor Mike talked about lordship all last week. And so that's what we've done. And then here we are. Now what? Now what do we do? So now we got all this stuff to deal with. So we've got, we've got all of these, because, we, because our, the Bible is our guideline. Say the Bible. The Bible is our, it's our, it's our text. It's our, it's our operating instructions. It's, it's the commandments of God. And so we start flipping through the Bible. Whoa, there's a lot in there. Whoa, there's really a lot in there. Whoa, I don't understand that part. Yeah, there's lots of those. And then we start, you know, you take some time in the New Testament. And then we find out there's all kinds of actions and behaviors that need to change. You need to flee from sexual immorality. Okay, 
Don't do that. All right. You need to not lie. Don't lie anymore. Don't lie. Just don't lie. Just don't lie anymore. Okay. You need to not steal. Jesus says don't steal. If something's your, not yours, don't take it. Okay. <laughs> right? We can go on and on and on and on through that. Don't kill people. Don't kill. Okay. Don't kill people. All right. There's all these actions and behaviors that we kind of have to deal with, that the scripture gives us commandments and lots of commands to do. You know, you know, do good to others, you know, help those in need. Like, okay, I'll do this stuff. Are you with me? Okay, you're doing really good. We're two minutes in and you're all here. Okay. Well, then Jesus, we read a little further in the word of God and we start finding there's character things. You need to be patient. Ooh. You need to be kind. Oh. You need to be generous. Mm. Right? You need to be loving. Right? So we can go on and on and on and on with all of these heart things, these character things that are within us. And then pretty soon we're like, gosh, this is uh, it's going to be a big list here, isn't it? <laughs> nudge, nudge, wink, wink. I don't know. Uh, how are you doing on this list? Right? And the Bible, and it can feel like it's just a list. It's not. It's not just a list. But there are moral requirements. And so then, oh man, we start even digging in even deeper and all of a sudden we find out that in our heart there's all this desires for things that we don't, shouldn't desire. There's, I have a desire to be famous. I want you to know who I am. I kind of really don't. But like most hearts, like, don't trust me. There's lots of other bad ones I have. <laughs> I just don't have that one. Or I have, I have a... I have this need to please myself. I have this desire to desire to take things that aren't mine. I have a desire to imagine that girl without clothes on. I've got to, oh, come on, pastor, don't talk about that stuff. I'm just saying we're human. And the Bible just starts, not only does it tell us how to behave, not only does it tell us what should be inside of us, now it tells us what's inside of us. And like you got all of these desires that are pointing at wrong things and pointing at things that who kind of want that, right? Temptations and lusts and desires and ambitions that might seem good in the moment but really aren't. And then pretty soon we get kind of overwhelmed, don't we? Has anyone been a little bit overwhelmed ever in your Christian walk? No two of you? Okay. All right. I just want to say the rest of these people that didn't raise their hands, for all of you that did, they're liars. <laughs> so they would fit in this category. We get, if you're honest, and we look at our humanity, like, we know, we know that we know that we had this encounter with God. I said, Jesus, take my sins and wash me clean and be the Lord of my life. And now the more I keep digging into the word of God, because that's my guideline, right? And the more I find that, wow, this is, huh. I have the desire to want to do right things. Someone like Paul said that kind of same thing. But sometimes I find that, that my desire to do right things doesn't match up with my actual actions. I'm probably sure that, that me and one other person are the only ones that have experienced that, right? And so we go, wow, how do I really change then? How do I really do this? How do I really walk this out? How do I really become this new creation that God said that I am? How do I live this life? And we're going to touch in this series on one of the many things. And, but this is felt like the Holy Spirit was, was telling us 
telling me this earlier in the week and after this morning, I think you'll agree that this was the right place to go this week. So we're going to read one verse today. It's Romans 12, 2. And it says this. Just let your eyes scan the screen as we read along together. Or I'll read it. You read it in your head. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So let's, let's dig into this. This is how we are transformed. We are changed. How many of you, you can, you can even just not even raise your hand, but how many of you hope that, you're, that you look more like Jesus five years after you met the Lord than you did on the first day that you met the Lord? How many of you hope you look more like Christ on the inside and on the outside? More of your desires are lined up with his desires. More of your heart is lined up with his heart. More of your character looks like Jesus than on day one. Day 2000 should be more Christ-like than day one. Amen? You're kind of with me. You're, curious, you're, hold, you're holding off to see where I'm going first. I don't know. We don't want to sign up for anything that we got to pay extra for. <laughs> well, here's the deal. This, this is the verse with the tool of transformation. I'm talking about the tool of transformation. But here's the deal. Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> the problem is in between your ears. Okay? You want to be like Jesus. You've got a legitimate desire to walk with the Lord, but you got some gray matter up here that was designed by God, but we got some flaws there. There's got some stinking in our thinking. Okay? And we see, go back here, to be transformed, if we're going to be transformed, something has to happen in our mind, our thinking. There has to be a change in our thinking if we're going to see the fullness of the transformation. Does that make sense? Okay, we haven't stretched that out yet, but we're getting there. So some people encounter God and like, let's say, I don't know, let's say just they're an alcoholic, okay? They encounter God, they're like, Jesus, be the Lord of my, and that's the last drink they ever have. They just, God takes the desire away completely. Uh, my, my, my dad's not here today, my my father-in-law is here, but this doesn't fit for you. So my dad always talks about some things in his life that just instantly disappeared, gone, never, never even thought about him again. And then other things, he struggled and struggled and struggled and struggled. Now, so, so sometimes change happens like that. But this is a tool for everybody. Say everybody. This is a tool for everybody. So regardless, you meet Jesus and wow, man, things are different just like right away. Great. Good for you. I hope that happens to everybody that comes to the Lord. But sooner or later, even for those people that encounter Jesus like that, Jesus is going to be like, they're like, oh, I'm so much like the Lord now. And Jesus is going to be like, all right, it's been 18 weeks. Let's start getting to the real stuff now. <laughs> and then they're going to go, oh, there's more? Yeah, there's more. And so God starts stirring in our hearts to be more like him. And we end up with a problem. And we're going to, we're, there's, a, there's a number of slides today. Okay? So you got you to gotta try to stay with me. And you get one free slide that you can just forget about. Okay? Because there's, there's a few of them today. So just one of them, if, you just, if it's too much, just say, I'm not looking at that one. And that'll be good. You can go back and listen to the tape again. Or tape. We don't use tapes anymore. Video. <laughs> okay, here we go. And so Stephen Rung in the High Definition Commentary said this about this verse. How do we avoid the error of wrong thinking? Listen to this. 
As sinful people, we start with a huge deficit. Our former slavery to sin. So before Jesus, when you were a slave to sin, and 100% of people that met Jesus, before they met Jesus, 100% of them were a slave to sin. That's not just talking about a select group of people. It's talking about everyone who doesn't know Jesus because is a slave to sin. Then you get to know Jesus. So he says this, our former slavery to sin. So that how many people is that talking about? All, everybody. That before Christ, our slavery to sin affected every part of us. Just as all of creation has been affected, we could go so far as to say that we, would, that we were brainwashed by sin. Okay, so that's our starting point. So we meet Jesus, and we're all excited, but our starting point is that we've been brainwashed by sin. Okay. John Piper says, Our minds are not, by nature, God-worshipping minds. They are, by nature, self-worshipping minds. That's the spirit of our minds. All right, so let me walk you through what happens here. So we've been given a new nature. You've been made, you meet Jesus. He's like, Jesus, be Lord of my life, right? He says, all right, the old man's crucified. Now you've been made new. Ah, sparkly, shiny clean, right? Brand new, brand new, brand new, brand new. You, when you meet Jesus, you got that new car smell. Come on, I'm just saying, brand new, brand new, brand new. You don't believe me? This means that any of 2 Corinthians 5.17, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a what? New person. The old life is gone. Uh, new. new life has begun. New, new, new. Hmm, smells like plastic and seat covers. Oh, yes, new, new. Still don't believe me? Colossians 3, 9 and 10 says, Since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, okay, there's a new you. A new you. So that's, that's real. You meet Jesus and that really happens. But then about 40 weeks down the road, we're dragging our heels and we're like, I don't feel very new. I don't look very new. I don't smell very new. I don't sound very new. I don't talk very new. So either the Bible's wrong or there's actually another part to the equation. That's, I'm just giving you the cue. That's the, that's the part that's true. The Bible's not wrong because this is truth. Say truth. This is truth. This is true for you. If you've come to Christ, this is true for you. You got to know this. You got to know that you're brand new. Brand new. Brand new. Yes, you're brand new. Oh, I'm brand new. Hallelujah. The old is gone. The new has come. You're brand new. But gosh, you buggers don't look like you're brand new some days. Man, you look like you've been drove off a beat up car lot covered in mud and horse goodies. <laughs> but the truth of the word is that you are brand new. So here's the problem. Our thinking keeps us rooted and anchored to the old nature and the old way of thinking, the old way of doing, the old way of feeling, the old way of being. Does this resonate? Does that make sense? The old way. So 
So somewhere along the line, we've got to say, change, change how you think. And you're like, what? No, I kind of think like I, I love God now. And so we kind of get through that and we're like, yeah, God, God's good. I like God. He likes me. And we're, we're all right. But then, our, then we're still stuck. We're still in our old patterns. We're still in our old ways of doing things. But our hearts are like, but I really want to serve Jesus. And then we go out and we do the same old things. Anyone ever done that? You want to do good and then you just go out and do the same old things again. Oh, you guys. You all do that. Come on. So here's, here's what we need to do. We got to rewire. We got to rewire. We got to rewire. It's got a lot of slides today, so you need a prop to keep your attention. Does anybody know what this is? The Air Crazy by West Bend. What goes in here? Popcorn. So you put some kernels in there, and it's movie night. There's a piece missing on top here or whatever. And then uh, all of a sudden, the magic starts happening. All these teeny little kernels turn into great, glorious white goodness, right? <laughs> we do a family night at a friend's house, and uh, she makes popcorn, and she slathers it, puts I use butter and all these seasonings. I think it's like white cheddar powder on it. she got some, I don't know, some voodoo or something. She's like, what? It comes out so good. We're like, oh, give me more of that. She doesn't use one of these, but this is a popcorn popper. It does one thing. It has one switch on it. It makes popcorn. You plug it in, you flip the switch, nothing happens for a while, then all of a sudden, right? All the kernels start popping. Guess what I did? I'm like, I don't want to put popcorn in this thing. I want to put coffee beans in here. This is my very first coffee roaster. But I got a little problem. It, it, it has heat and it has air, but I got some roadblocks to get this to do what I want it to do. I roasted about 200 roasts in this. And so you stick a little soup can on the top there so that can make it a little higher. They call it a chimney. So, just, so the beans don't go flying out of there. And uh, you need to plug this in. So you need heat and you need some agitation. I've got a lot of agitation in my life, but you know what I mean. <laughs> So what, what, what the roasters do is they get one of these to start with, and then I've actually helped a friend of mine do this, and uh, you pull the guts out of it, and there's a little thing, uh, a little thermocouple thing in there, and it's a limiter. And it only lets you get up to like 386 degrees. That's not going to work. <laughs> We're going to take the limits off of that, because we don't want our popcorn popper shutting down a little too early before the, co see, my coffee beans, they do their first crack at 400 degrees. And then I, I like a lighter roast, so we drop them at about 418 to 420. Well, if this thing is shutting off at 386, that's no bueno, okay? <laughs> so first thing we do, we rip that bugger out of there. We want this thing to, we want this to burn down three neighborhoods if we need to. We're going to get more power, right? Well, and then the other thing that we want to be able to do is when we get done roasting them, it's nice that the fan could keep going and cool it down. So we actually split the circuit and we put an extra power cord on there. So now one of these powers the heater and one powers the fan. So I can turn the fan on first and put my beans in there and make sure they're fluffing up like they're supposed to do so you can see if there's too many or too little. Then you turn the heat on. 
Well, then you can actually put this on a PID controller or a rheostat, and you can really start. You can control fan. You can control heat. And the, the one I've got now is actually hooked up to a computer, and it's a brand new one. But this is what I started with. And I wanted it to do something, but the problem was it needed to be rewired. See, there was something in there that limited what I want to happen. And I also did not have the functionality for the vision that I had for this. Hmm, is right. And that's what's going on in your mind and in my mind is we want to do, we've got this vision of this Christ life, but you need to be rewired. You need to yank that limiter out of there because, come on, we don't need that. And we need to give you some more functionality. And so that's what we're talking about. And that's what, and it really doesn't matter what we're talking about. That's what Jesus is talking about in being transformed by changing how you think. And that's exactly what's going on. The, the J.B. Phillips translation on that verse says this. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your minds from within. I like that. I like that. Anyone who ever been squeezed into a mold before? Anyone ever traveled a long ways in a car? And then you got out. <laughs> we walk like this for a while, don't we? And not you youngins, right? Gosh. Or you wore a hat. Some of you boys with longer hair wore a hat for a while. <laughs> you take that hat off and everyone can tell exactly where your hat's at. <laughs> or you're like this guy. This is actually becoming a, a, a physiological issue in our day because we're so phone-faced, we're getting neck humps. And that's always been an issue, you know, somewhat, but it's even more so now because we spend our time like this, and so we go to the chiropractor a lot more for this chunk right here because that gets really tight, and it gets molded. It gets molded. It gets formed by the activity unintentionally. It's unintentionally formed by the activity that's causing it. The, the intention of the cell phone, whoever went to the new iPhone store, what do you even call an iPhone store? Is it the Apple store? I don't know what. We did. Hey, Android all the way, baby. You go to the new, right. Joe, iPhone's popular, so you got to talk about them because they're a bunch of babies, you know, <laughs> these iPhone people. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we can talk afterwards. It's okay. walked in and I and said, can I get your newest phone? Because I'm really working on the neck hump. <laughs> it's unintended. We did not intend for that to happen. We bought it for an entirely different reason. Right? <laughs> Gosh. I'll give you guys a couple minutes to come back around here. Your pastor's a dork too. <sighs> and that's what happens by our minds that are captivated and warped by the sinful nature as we go through life we're formed by sin we're formed by the world we're formed by evil thinking we're formed by society it was never our intention we're just out living life right and we get formed into ungodly thinking patterns and habits so says this, uh, oh, that's the same, same guy that I quoted earlier, Stephen Rung. He says, so as believers, we await the complete redemption of our bodies on the last day. We undergo a, uh, oh, uh, 
as, I missed that word, as we wait, we undergo a transformational process of sanctification through discipleship. So we're being discipled. We're becoming more like Jesus. Understood this way, discipleship is not simply about changing our behavior or learning a few lessons. It requires a complete cognitive makeover. What's cognitive? Your, your mind, your brain, okay? That's what he's saying. He's like, we think discipleship is, I, I just need, I need to go to a couple Bible studies, I need to learn a couple things, and I need to change some behavior. No, he's saying, no, if you're going to be discipled, if you're really going to be like Jesus, you got to change the way you think. Well, I thought I already was thinking pretty. That's part of the problem. We think we think good. I think you think you don't. <laughs> we need to change how we think. Oh, but wait. There's more. This is, this is what I want you to walk away with today, other than all the other stuff I said. <laughs> I want you to get this. The adaptive unconscious. Anyone know about that? Oh, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. Hang with me. Hang with me as much as you can. I know we're, we're long and tired today, but man, this is from Auburn University. According to cognitive neuroscientists, we are conscious of only about 5% of our cognitive activity. So most of our decisions, most of our actions, most of our emotions, most of our behavior depends on the 95% of the brain activity that go, goes beyond our conscious awareness. Most of what you do, what you feel, what you think, what you say, how you react, happens without you even knowing about it. Is that not scary? I just want that to settle in for a second. This is the nugget I want you to walk away with. Because a lot of you might be like, and, I, and I just, I've said it a couple times already, a lot of you might be, Atlanta, you might be like, hey, you know what? I think I'm doing really good, I think, and I think you are. And I'm so excited for what God's doing in your life. But you might say, you know, I've, I've changed a lot of my thinking. I've, I've, I know that, right? And I would agree with that. And I would say the same thing about me. Right, Sarah? You'd be like, you know, I used to think this way, but you know, I'm, I, I kind of, I, I agree with the word of God. And do you think she does? Absolutely. I know she does. So here's where the problem is. It's in this 95% that we're not even really aware of. We've got all of these patterns that we think about that we don't even know is going on in our minds. And it's birthed by the world and Satan and sinful activities and wrong ideas about God. And it's all in our head and we're not even aware that it's playing out. It's just, any Trekkies, Star Trek, Next Gen, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, if you listen, if you watch those shows, there's always a hum in the background. It's the ship, you know. That's what you're, that's that unconscious thinking. And it's always going on. And it's always shaping how you see the world. It's always shaping how you talk to one another. It's always shaping how you respond. That's what we're trying to control. So Auburn University goes on to say, from the beating of our hearts to the pushing of the grocery cart and not smashing into the kitty litter, we rely on something that is called the adaptive subunconscious, which is all the ways that our brain understands the world that the mind and body must negotiate. This adaptive unconscious, it's how your brain interprets the world. Do you think that's important? 
Holy macaroni, Batman. It's really important that the 95% of your life that's controlling how you see the world is sanctified by God's word. And we don't even know that it's really going on. And so we work on the stuff that I was just talking about. Yeah, I believe God's word. I believe this, whatever. And, and that's the conscious part. But there's 95% of us, and then we're like, I, I just don't know why I can't break through this thing. Now, there's lots of reasons, but this certainly is one of them. Timothy Wilson says, the mind operates most efficiently by relegating a good, a good deal of high-level, sophisticated thinking to the unconscious. Just as a modern jetliner is able to fly on automatic pilot with little or no input from the human conscious pilot, the adaptive unconscious does an excellent job, listen to what it's doing, of sizing up the world, warning people of danger, setting goals, and initiating action in a sophisticated and efficient manner. Now, that's, that's, that's from kind of a psychology standpoint. That's great when it sounds good. It's not great when it's leading you into patterns that are destructive. That adaptive sub unconscious is just churning away, firing all the time, and you don't even know that it's going on. I don't know why I react that way all the time. I told, hey, I told myself I wasn't going to fly off the handle again. I told myself I wasn't going to get all depressed if they, if they said this to me. And what did I do? And you're all sad about it. It's because the autopilot said, that's what we do. Hey, are you with me? It's because your autopilot says, hey, dork, that's what we do. I don't know. Nobody ever gave me any different orders. I'm just doing what we do. That's what we do. When they say this, I do this. It's what we, it's, hey, it's how I keep you from going crazy because we just do 95% of your life on autopilot. Or you'd be a mess. Honey, you think you're a mess now? Just wait if I didn't do my job down here. 95% of your life running this thing. And that's where we need to make the change. Julie Winter says, much of our thought life is subconscious. I'm just, I'm, I'm just throwing a ton of different, I've got a lot of good books on this. So it's throwing a ton of different authors at you because I, I went this morning and I'm like, there's way too many slides. I got to delete some. I, I, I deleted one. I'm like, oh, I should take this one out. Oh, but that's so good. I should take this one. Oh, but oh, someone needs to hear that. So, <laughs> so you're just going to have to deal with it. We're, we're, we're going as fast as we can here. Much of our thought life is subconscious. I compare it to an iceberg, which is 90% underwater and unseen. The visible part of the iceberg is, that, is only 10% of its total size. We, too, are consciously aware of a small percentage of our own thoughts unless we tune in and examine them. The majority of our thought life is subconscious, which is typically what gets us into trouble. And Bill Winston, I've got a few quotes from him. He says this. What has been programmed into our subconscious is what we will, listen to this, it's what we'll say and do automatically, given circumstances and stimuli. All of you, every one of you, all of you have been like, ooh, shouldn't have done that. Oh, shouldn't have said that. Why? Why did I do that? Anyone ever done that? Why did I say that? <laughs> That's why. Because your operating system's like, this is what we do, and this is what we do. We make our owner really happy and free. This is what we do. And they're just doing their job, right? It's not your brain's fault. That was the, all of this is not an evil thing. It's designed by God. You just have the wrong programming in there. This is designed by God so that you're not like, oh, oh, right foot up. Okay, oh, right foot down. Oh, left foot up. Whoa, left foot down. <laughs> That's unconscious thinking. It's designed by God for our benefit. It's just been smashed into the world's ideology and Satan's thinking. Hmm. So it's a benefit. Once you get this trained right, 
all of a sudden you're going to start, oh, I don't know why I did that good thing. Oh, I don't know why I reacted so lovingly. Hey, how, how fun would church be if we were just telling stories about that? The other day, I just blessed them. I didn't even know why. That's why, because you let the Holy Spirit sanctify that 95% of our operating system that we don't even think about. Bill Winston goes on to say this. If you turn off the autopilot and then turn it on again, the airplane will automatically go to the previously set altitude and direction unless you reprogram it. It's automatic. All right, kiddos, what do we got here? Woody. What happens if you pull Woody's string? There's a snake in my boots. I don't know any other lines. <laughs> Anyone ever had one of these dolls before? Something Not a Woody doll, but you know, a doll that you do the thing. Nobody? Come on. A couple of you? We used to ask, my, I didn't. When I say we, I mean my sister <laughs> had one. <laughs> I used to love <laughs> So because I am who I am, see, my mom and dad should be here because this would cause them anxiety. <laughs> I wanted to see what made that thing tick. <laughs> so then all of a sudden one day my sister did not have a doll that talked anymore. <laughs> but I had a cool little voice box thing with a string on it. Because <laughs> I was fascinated by how stuff works. <laughs> But no matter how far removed from the doll is, that thing only says about six things. Every time you pull that string, it's going to do it. And guess what? Your adaptive unconscious got about six responses. <laughs> hey, why'd you do that? <laughs> I didn't deserve that. <laughs> well, you too. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Anyone with me? First time someone pulls your string, guess what? All the good God thoughts. I just had a great devotion. Me and the Lord were like this. Oh, my caramel macchiato and Jesus, hallelujah. Shut up and move over in that lane. What are you doing over there? <laughs> Pull the string. <laughs> Pull the string. Was it bad intentions? No. Was it bad driving? Probably was. But it's this, like, it's your adaptive unconscious, and it needs to be reprogrammed to be like Jesus. A couple more. We're winding down. The subconscious, this is Bill Winston still in his book, Transform Your Thinking, which is a great book. The subconscious mind is automatic unless we change its programming. It was created so that we wouldn't have to learn things over and over again. See, this is a God thing. It's a God thing. But it's also why you can't unlearn your behavior. It's because it's this unconscious, this adaptive subconscious, unconscious part of you. Listen to this. When we learn how to ride a bicycle, we know how to ride it for it's like, right? The saying, it's like riding a bike, right? That's your adaptive unconscious. That's a God thing in you. When it's time to ride a bike, we just ride it. We don't even think about it because the process has been written in our subconscious. I'm sorry, I'll do better next time, I promise. <laughs> I just, you know, I'm just <laughs> I'm trying to figure this thing out. I don't, you know. I love you guys, though. <laughs> I promise we're winding down. I think two slides, maybe. A couple more Bill Winston here. No, there's a couple more slides than that. I forgot. Um, it's because it's automatic. Listen to this. Listen. Listen to this one. Listen. The purpose of the subconscious mind is to keep you from changing. The purpose of this adaptive unconscious is to keep you from changing. Designed that way by God. 
That's why you can't change. Because this 95% is wired by God to keep playing the same record. And once we get the Holy Spirit guiding that, all of a sudden, I love you. I love you too. Right? But right now, that's not what's coming out of your mouth. Right? Because it's not redeemed. It's not sanctified. It's not lined up with the word of God. And that's one reason that we get stuck. Bill goes on to say this. However emotional or unemotional our new birth experiences, the fact that remains that our spirits are reborn, but our souls are not. Although we have no desire to sin or displease God anymore, our minds, conscious and subconscious, have been programmed to think, they've been programmed to speak, and programmed to act like the world and the enemy. We have to deprogram that. The subconscious is like a gauge. It holds down growth and expansion. It holds back redevelopment. It doesn't want you to stop doing what you're used to doing. Your subconscious sets boundaries. It makes decisions whether you want it to or not without your conscious participation. Man, you guys are doing fantastic staying with me. Isn't this good stuff? Like, like, I feel like when we get to the end of this, we're like, oh my goodness, I did not know all that was going on in my head. Gross. Like, I don't want that. That's, I hope that's your reaction. Right? Exactly. Right. We need to, yeah, we need to get some soldering irons and tools down here for sure. Renewing our minds includes getting into the subconscious. Not just our conscious thoughts. Not just, hey, I want to be more like Jesus. Wow, that's a good God thought. And it is. But that's conscious. We need to get into the subconscious and changing any set point that does not line up with God's word. Two more slides from the Life Application Commentary. If you don't have the Life Application Bible, Study Bible, and you want to you wanna just really work on living like Jesus in a practical way, if you're going to get a Study Bible, the Life Application is a great Study Bible to get. Refusing to conform to this world's values must go even deeper than the level of behaviors and customs. It can't just be what we're doing and what we're used to doing. It must go to transforming the way that we think. Believers are to experience a complete transformation from the inside out. And the change must begin in our mind. That's where all of our thoughts and actions begin. Much of the work is done by God's Spirit in us, and the tool that's most frequently used is the Word of God. Last slide. As we memorize and meditate upon God's word, our way of thinking changes. Our minds become, listen to this, first informed, like we, oh, I didn't know that, and then conformed to the pattern of God, the pattern for which we were originally designed. When believers have their minds transformed and are becoming more like Christ, they'll know what God wants, and they'll want to do it, for it's his good, pleasing it's good, it's good and pleasing to God, and it's perfect for them. Man, isn't that good stuff? It's kind of scary stuff. It's kind of tragic stuff. But you're designed, don't, don't think you were designed wrong. You're designed right. It's just we've been programmed wrong. It's not the computer's fault. It's the programmer's fault. So here's what I want you to do. We've already prayed for our minds. Isn't that cool how that fit into this morning about strongholds and talking about the mind of Christ? I'm like, the whole time I'm just thinking, you know, because like lots of people were doing that. I didn't lead that thing. I mean, I jumped into it, but I'm like, hey, I know what the message is about today. Like we're, we're getting our minds taken care of here. Here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to simply just become aware. We're going we're gonna to talk more about this in, in later, later days. Let's just become aware this week. 
So I want you to keep a journal. This is going to be a dirty, nasty, ugly journal. Okay? Don't let your kids read this. I'm just kidding. But anytime you end up in a situation that you find yourself saying one of those things, oh, why did I say that? Or, oh, I can't believe I did that again. I want you to surround, and I, we're not, this is not a beat you up. This is where identify week. This is not beat up week. This is, we all know that we're all in the same boat with this. Every one of us has got unconscious thinking that's causing us problems. And we're going to get those buggers. So when you, when you have a moment like that, I want you to stop. Maybe jot that down. Maybe keep it in your Bible or in your car or somewhere where you are at, in your desk or whatever. What did I do? And then do this with me. See if you can backtrack. If you got five minutes, just backtrack. What was I just thinking about prior to that? And just write, just be really honest. Don't try to sanctify it. Don't try to make it look good for Jesus. Jesus already knows that garbage that's in there, right? But we want to make you aware of it. Write down kind of what, just any random thought. You're like, oh, I was thinking about that. Oh, I was thinking about that. And in that moment when I lost my temper, when I was having jealous thoughts in my heart, and, I'm like, and you recognize that you're like, oh, why am I doing that again? What were you just thinking about? What was going on in your mind? Write it down, Okay. And see if we can identify some of these patterns and then we can bring them to Jesus and go, Jesus, this is bad thinking. Help me to, help me to, or this week, if you catch yourself just in thoughts that you're like, whoa, that's not edifying or building up. Like that's, those are kind of mean, nasty, ugly thoughts. Write them down and go, Jesus, this needs to be, we need to find what the word of God says about this kind of thinking and then listen to the word of God. So we'll talk about some more prescriptive things later, but we just want to identify right now. I just wanted you to walk away going, there's a lot more going on, <laughs> a lot more going on up here than you think there is, right? You might not think I've got anything going on up here, but there is. Good ways and bad ways. So I want you to just realize that there's, this thing is churning. 95% of that thought is just churning away by God's design, but it's bad programming. We want to identify that programming and say, out the door, bozo. We're not thinking like that anymore. We're done. Does that make sense? That's intense, but it's hopeful. I want you to leave with hope today. I want you to leave with hope that I can change in areas that I thought I could never change in. Because pastor just gave me a key today, and we're going to have to zone in on this thing. We're not there yet, but we know that there's programming that's going on. I didn't even realize that was there. We're going to identify that, we're going to attack that, and we're going to plead the blood of Jesus over it, and we're going to line it up with the Word of God, and we're going to learn how to think well. Amen? Amen. Yes. God, I pray for a blessing on this group of believers today. I pray for the power of Jesus to change our minds, our thoughts, our hearts, and I pray that you would just do your work in us today, God. Help us this week to identify patterns that are causing us grief and harm and taking us into realms that aren't godly. Help us to write those down and bring them before your throne, God. Thank you for changing us. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Amen. amen.